Hallo. Ein welcome bich het markeren met meisjen vriendin. Oh, we're going with different languages. Dus is man have it Erin. Dit is meisjen vriendin kat. En mal meer vergessen als dos is alle aan arbeid. Sure. Okay, Aaron, what language was yours? Uh, Dutch. <laughs> ich rede Yiddish. Mm. See, I had to run that through Google Translate, so I actually don't know that much. <laughs> I mean, like, I had to pick up a few words here and there, but most of that Yiddish is fairly simple, so... Fair enough. Anyway, yeah, no, Kat, Kat said uh, that Z was going to screw with me on the intro and speak mm -hmm. in Yiddish, so I decided to screw back. <laughs> you know, you got me. It was a good bit. Woo! This is an episode of Good Eps. <laughs> Welcome to Good Eps. <laughs> this week's episode, language. Have you, uh, this is a completely off topic, have you seen the, um, British comedy series Look Around You? Around It's designed to parody, like, educational videos that you would see in, like, classrooms. Mm hmm It's very, very funny. No, I don't think I have seen that one. It is... From like the early 2000s, it's only like 15 episodes. No, six episodes. Maybe? Yeah, like the last British comedy I watched, I think, was Black Books. Okay, this is very much more of a like short form sketch kind of thing where each of the sketches is built around pop science VHSs that your grade school teacher would put in the VHS player when you were when they didn't feel like teaching mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, I gotcha so like calcium maths water germs ghosts sulfur music iron and the brain were topics in season one. Oh goodness it's a very good show. I think we'll probably... Mm. I, I would like to pull some up because I think some of it's on YouTube. So let's... Okay, more importantly, <laughs> we're going to talk where about wrestling. Where would we like to start? I don't know if a whole lot's happened the past two weeks. In wrestling? I can't think I of th anything. I think everyone took, took uh, the time off. Yeah. Good episode. Well, good episode, then. Uh, what's your recommendation for this week? <laughs> okay, so we did actually watch a few things. Um, I, I would like to start with 
what we watched last week with Basket Brawl. Right, Basket Brawl. <laughs> okay, Aaron, I did not watch Basket Brawl. Tell me about Basket Brawl. So, a bunch of indie wrestlers got together and said, what if we played basketball instead? Mm -hmm. And so they split up into heels and faces mm -hmm. and had a very Space Jam-style game of basketball. Yep. And it's kind of weird because I think the faces got more stuff called on them than the heels <laughs> until, like, the end of the last quarter. Sounds about right. So yeah, in that last quarter, like the heels probably started putting like too many men on the on the field. Um, the last two minutes lasted ten minutes because I think they're trying to work it so the the faces won, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they just couldn't get that last basket. <laughs> so basically, like a Globetrotters game. Kind of yeah, but a lot closer than uh, the generals have ever gotten, except for those three times. Thank you. <laughs> I remember the history. They have won exactly three times, according to official canon. Yep. And most yep. of them were mistakes. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, I don't think I've actually sat down to watch a Globetrotters game. I went to one as a child, I which is the their target game. audience. Yeah. I played the video game on the NES, though. Um, have you ever solved mysteries with the Globetrotters? No. Okay. But I think I remember the show, actually. <laughs> Do you remember the ability that I think it was Metal Arc Lemon had to dribble the basketball in a moving van? I think I've seen that, yes. From Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Um, so, I think there was an episode of Mythbusters where they actually tested whether or not you could, based on the frame of reference in which the movement was happening, dribble a basketball in a moving car, and you cannot. No. <laughs> not without bouncing it really far forward. But then again, it's the Harlem Globetrotters, so... It's true, they do have special powers. <laughs> yup. <laughs> so anyway... What wrestling yeah. do we want to talk about? Because... Uh, I imagine... I don't have... I imagine you don't have a ton to say about Basket Brawl or whatever it was called. Not really. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Jay Rose, the, the announcer did like live commentary over his Twitter feed, which is even better actually. And Darius Carter showed up in a suit. Of course, it's Darius Carter. And he actually played like that is oh What other wrestling did we watch? Cause there's been some cool stuff happening, like um Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Yeah, Pro Wrestling Gorilla decided to start up again after 18 months. Mm-hmm. And guess who showed up at PWG? A lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who do you be specifically? Well, fucking Super Dragon was there. Mm-hmm. He's not dead. Excalibur Probably showed Ed up. Probably Ed showed up. Yep. 
<laughs> Even before he had a match in AEW, he showed up. Yep. <laughs> He's doing PWG before he does AEW. Orange Cassidy showed up. Which is new. And Evil Uno showed up. <laughs> Similarly new. And I don't know how any of those matches went because it wasn't live streamed. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, they, they went right back to the PWG formula of the same as the old ECW where uh, you can't really watch it unless you're there and then you got to wait for the DVD <laughs> whenever they get that out. Yep. And then uh, there's also the fact that PWG just straight up doesn't book women. So I have heard kind of why that is. So okay. Super Dragon, who books the shows, yeah. doesn't watch wrestling. So he doesn't know who anyone is unless someone else on the show tells him who they are. Right. So what's needed is everyone to start shouting at him in the back to get all the talented women on there. That seems like a whole lot of bullshit. A little bit. Like, Super Dragon... Absolutely. If you're booking a wrestling show and you're looking for talent, should you not look for talent? No, you hire the same guys you always have because they do good. PWG, <laughs> do better. It's not like you couldn't have women doing the fucking Jushin Thunder Liger butt spot. Yeah, Am I, that, that's... Is, is, there, is there anything about that spot that a woman could not do? Have some dignity. <laughs> Women, no wrestlers have dignity. When you become a professional wrestler, you leave dignity at the door. <laughs> oh, God. I I'm just remembering that spot that was playing in my head. Mm -hmm. And my God, it's so dumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just. It's frustrating. Yes, it's frustrating that women's wrestling is absolutely always treated as an afterthought mm -hmm. in most places. That said, maybe we also just get rid of the concept of women's wrestling and have only intergender matches? I would be okay with that. What if we just did the you know, smaller indie formula, and you just book people because you like them and think that the match would be cool. And it doesn't matter what their gender is or how they identify or what their sexuality is, except if it's the all-gay show. Yeah. Then you book only the finest of queer wrestlers. As Effie always does. As Effie always does. Have you seen um, the Make It Gayer list so far? No, I haven't. I think I saw that Eve Surreal was on it. Effie's Big Gay Brunch Chicago. 
with the subtitle for each wrestler that wrestler name will make Chicago gayer. Chicago could deal with a little bit of gay up. Their mayor is a lesbian, but also a bootlicker, so... And not in the, like, sexy, like... A dyke wants you to clean their boots with your tongue kind of way. In the let the cops beat the shit out of impoverished people kind of way. I'm focused on that first thought now. You've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> so we have... Okay, so for... For Big A Brunch Chicago, we have MV, Devin Monroe, Allie Catch, Dark Sheik, Billy Dixon, Edie, Veda Scott. Um, I think that's all that we've booked so far. Yes, that's all nice. that's. Is Vita wrestling or doing commentary? Commentary. Nice. I love when she does commentary. She's so good at it. And she's very good at it. I love her wrestling too, but with commentary, she's on for the whole show. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so no, Make It Gay is going to be good, or Make Chicago Gay, whatever it's called again. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> Are we both lost in the sauce thinking about um, boot cleaning? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think I'm going to bring us right back, because I think we should actually get on topic and talk about some... Uh... Ow, 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 ow. I tried to do a camera mug and I hit my new tattoo. Yes, don't try to be fancy. Aaron, you know that I like mugging the camera. I know you do. It's I mug to the hard cam all the time. Look, look at how pretty this is, though. Mm-hmm. Ooh, tattoo. It's in the <laughs> peely phase. Itch, itch, itch. I'm slapping it instead of scratching. Fair. Back into the news. Uh, you know, I did watch some Camp Leapfrog last week because they did their tag team Grand Prix. Yep. I missed the first night. Mm hmm. I only saw the second. But I can tell you, it ended up with the outfeelers of Mix McCoy and uh, Boom Boomer <laughs> Boom Slice <laughs> taking on the goons. In Devontae's and Jet Jaggery. Uh, no, that was the first match they had. That was the first. Oh, because that was an exciting match. Yes. And like, I don't know. I think maybe people should give Jet Jaggery some more respect, even if he is kind of a piece of shit. Kind of is, but he's pretty I love good him at for being a piece that. of shit. <laughs> that one had a really good spot where both Boomer and Jet were walking on the top rope. <laughs> Until Boomer shook him off. That is a very good spot. They're, they do a lot of very fun spots. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of just how much they all have blossomed as performers out of a very, very terrible set of circumstances. Yeah, no, they've all really got some feet under themselves now and, like, know what they're doing out there not to mention the fact that a bunch of them are being forced to go through rebrands because surprise surprise that piece of shit still owns their names Mm-hmm. i mean it, like a lot of these rebrands are very good obviously like 
I love the rebrand from the life to eat a surreal. Yes. A very, very good rebrand. I love Dasher Hatfield to a very good professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. I hope he's healing up quickly. It seems like he's doing well. He's back in the gym. I know yep. he's like looking at potentially starting to book things soon, even if it's just accompanying Sidney Bacabella to the ring. <laughs> he needs someone to have his back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because who wouldn't beat the shit out of Sidney Bacabella if given the choice? I mean, he's been threatening to stab people at Abby J's birthday. <laughs> oh, good move. Like, he's just posting various pictures of knives that he wants to stab people with. <laughs> I fucking love the Sydney Bacabella character so much. It's just such a good character. <laughs> I love weird, absurd characters like that, especially, like, when they're as well executed as... Yeah. Like, it's hard to... do... That kind of like scummy promoter, well, without falling into like caricature. Caricature, but Sidney Bacabella is absolutely caricature. Oh yeah, that's fair. It's just well done caricature, so it doesn't <laughs> feel like you're watching the carnival guy from Pinocchio, the, the devil man who like. <laughs> Turns kids into donkeys. You're watching Sydney Bacabella, who is believably awful. Yep. <laughs> in a cartoonish sort of way. Oh, and it should be mentioned that for Abby Jane's birthday, Abs will have to miss it because okay. he he tested positive for COVID. Is vaccinated is, though. Is that this weekend? It's not I, this weekend. It's next weekend, probably. Is it? I think it's Sunday. Is it Sunday? Well, then we're promoting it right now. <laughs> but yeah, he, he unfortunately did test positive after getting the vaccine, so he's out. Hopefully he recovers quickly. So it is Sunday in no Williamstown, New Jersey. Yep. I will not be going we'll because watch it live, though. Yeah. We'll watch it live, though. No, we won't, because we're going to be recording. Oh, no, we're not recording. We're recording on Saturday, right? Because mm -hmm. Emma has work, so I have to work on Shabbat. I, I'm i sure God will forgive you this once. <laughs> I, with no him. authority to say such things. <laughs> I work on Shabbat all the time because this show goes on well after sunset. I know. I'm the worst. <laughs> it's fine. I don't mind. I just... Try not to work on Saturday during the day, you know? Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Maybe. So anyway. So we had that. We had a three-way tag team match of oh. Athron Amada with Comet MK versus The Whisper with Nolo Katano versus Razorwing and Mach 10 The Air Show. Nice. This was very fast and hard to follow. Yeah. <laughs> As you would Sounds expect. Sounds about right. <laughs> the, air show like did, the air show did end winning this one, which is... I like seeing them back again. Yeah, I, I, I know there's been, like... 
some tough times for them as they've had to do all of like the the branding and everything like mm-hmm. that and like dealing with it's been a very weird year for wrestling and it's been a even weirder year for the Chikara kids. Yeah. But it looks like they're all coming out of it, so. Yeah, and it seems like people are still following them. People are still supporting them. They get to keep doing the thing that they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Which is good. They just also now don't have to do it with people who are pieces of shit. Yeah. Want to talk about AEW? Uh, we can. I'll let everyone know that the Outpiers did end up winning this one and are now the champion out of Doranus. Champions of Frogs. Yep. <laughs> That's the tag titles in Can't Believe Frog, and I love it. They're the Frog Champs. Yep. Frog Froggers. It was a lot of fun, that, that event, actually. It's worth going back and watching because it's like a really good babyface overcoming story throughout the whole thing. So, AEW. All Elite Wrestling. The Wrestles. Want to jump in with Hangman and the Dark Order? We can start with Hangman and the Dark Order. That's a good place to yeah. start. Because last week on Dynamite, we had that 10-man tag everyone waited so long for. The 10-man tag elimination. Yes. Because you can't forget the elimination portion, because that's very important to how this match went. Yeah, no, if you didn't know about that part, it would be really hard to follow, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. So the winning team had to get five total pins. Mm Mm-hmm. And we started out with a video package for Hangman of the Dark Order going over how you don't have to wear a hat to be a cowboy mm-hmm. and a, some other metaphors. And then the house lights are down when they go back and floodlights come on two at a time. On oh, it side. was so cool. And there's the one empty spotlight and people debate, mm-hmm. is that spotlight for Anna? Is that spotlight for Mr. Prody? You know, what's the symbolism of this empty spotlight? Mm-hmm. Hulk Cabana stood on the wrong mark. Yep. He missed his spot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is <laughs> incredible. Yep. Oh, uh, it, it's just, like, I watched it again. It's like, is there an empty, another empty spot there? No, Cole's just in the wrong spot. I personally think it was for Anna. Because if Mr. Brody Lee were still there in this exact storyline, he'd probably be coming down with Paige, I would think. Yeah, he would be he would be there with Hangman. Yeah. Without a doubt. And then the Elite had their big intro where they ripped off Space Jam. <laughs> They paid $50,000 to use that song once. Yep. They said it's going BT. That means it's 100% accurate and exactly what happened. I assume that's probably expensive. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
so yeah, for months they've been doing all this basketball stuff in the back and during BT and during their promos. It led up to an entrance. It's the, the basketball bike. angle is still ongoing. Oh yeah, totally. And it's great. So we get into the match and it broke down real fast. Like I think as soon as Kenny got got out of there and someone else was in, in with Paige. It pretty much just broke down from there. So, in order of elimination, do we want to do that? In yeah, order of elimination, let's go with that. We had Anderson rolling up Reynolds and grabbing the tights. Mm -hmm. Anderson then took a fatality from Evil Uno and Stu. Hmm? Doc Gallows and Stu get counted out. Now, this is also after Stu takes a Really, really nasty bump to the head. Yep. Because Gallows and Anderson didn't bother catching. It, it seems like everybody just moved out of the way of a Tope Suicida. Yeah. It, there was definitely some miscommunication, it looked like. Gallows and Anderson have explicitly said that they don't catch people. Mm-hmm. Because they think it looks dumb, and because they don't feel like putting in the work. Yeah, no, I can see that. And, so, yeah, you know, he... we have to take them at their word for what they say on their podcast, where they usually do it out of character. Mm-hmm. Talk and Shop is a, as far as we're aware, shoot discussion. So, yeah, Stu took a nice graze on his head on a dive, but still was able to get up and go with Gallows, and they fought through the crowd and got themselves counted out. Next was Omega pins Uno. Uh-huh. And then a BT trigger on Silver. So he's removed. Poor Johnny. And Hangman hits a buckshot on Matt to eliminate him. So we're down to Adam Page, Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega. Yep. And it was just too much bullshit for Page. Yeah, no, the Elite are definitely leaning heavily into the we like cheating angle. Yep. Uh, they even got Brandon Cutler in on it now. They blackmailed him into doing it. Yeah, they blackmailed Cutler into cheating and enjoying it. Yep. That's the specific part. He has to enjoy it. Yep. All because of the Dark Order blackmailed him. And to put him back on the show. <laughs> with do you do you know what they blackmailed him with? Yes. What did they blackmail him with? So you remember was it last year? No, like a year and a half. Almost two years ago. When the Dark Order jumped Dustin Rhodes. Yes. They jumped a whole bunch of them in the ring. And Cutler was Cutler was one of the creepers. Cutler was the one missing the punches, apparently. So the video is him going to the back, taking off the mask and washing his hands of the whole mess. <laughs> now, it is funny to hear Stu and Uno talk about the Creepers from the early days. Because mm -hmm. it was a lot of, like, the local guys they would find in every town they go to. And they just wouldn't listen, apparently. <laughs> That's about right. 
so, so the instructions are when you're a creeper is like okay when someone new gets into the ring don't touch them let them fight you off Stu will get the hit in then pile on them but they would just start beating them as soon as they got in yep <laughs> It's like, okay, Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega run into the ring. Like, don't get starstruck now, guys. You'll see him in the back. It's funny. <laughs> I I appreciate the fact that, like, they had to deal with... They had to deal with a lot of bumps getting the Dark Order up and running. Yeah, there's a lot of start and stop. A lot of just not going anywhere. I'm glad that they kept it going on, like, the Nightmare Collective. Yep. I still think the Nightmare Collective had some legs. Mm-hmm. But they had a lot of trouble hitting it. They they just couldn't get that. It's a very odd angle because of how Brandy is perceived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way that they resolved the angle was the best they could have done in the circumstances. Yeah. But, like, my thing is... I think someone else running the Nightmare Factory or Nightmare Factory-style angle would have been successful with it. It is solely based on the perception that Brandy is only there because of nepotism. That that angle failed. Because there's yeah, a lot of sexism lot of in wrestling still. Yeah! And I think Brandy did a fine job with that angle. I think Brandy brought heat to that angle. Mm -hmm. But people just don't like that the boss's wife gets to do stuff. You know, even though she's also an executive in the company. <laughs> the chief branding officer. If it was Bunny or Statlander? Mm. Bunny, maybe. Bunny wasn't in AEW at the time, though. It was still Allie. Oh, true. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Uh, I can't think, was... like, who else could have held that angle down? At that time? There wasn't really anyone who could have. No. Huh? No. I mean, that's when Luther joined the company. That's when Mel was there briefly. Yeah, they had uh, Awesome Kong. Mm-hmm. Who then had to awesome step away to go film the last season, as it would turn out, of Glow. Mm-hmm. Which was, I think, a pretty good show. Yeah, better there, than the 80s one. <laughs> it's, it's, it was, there, were, there were some wholesome moments. There were some funny moments. Um, I think the character of Welfare, Welfare Queen... Brilliant. <laughs> like, for an offensive 80s women's wrestling character, naming yeah. a black woman welfare queen is incredibly inspired. That is very spot on to what it would have looked like in the 80s. Yep. And Awesome Kong did a great job in the, with 90s. the character. Part of the arts. It. Yeah. Yep. There's... ECW would have definitely run that that uh, gimmick. There's still some pretty active racism in wrestling, huh? 
Oh yeah. I'm trying to think if there's like characters that I would. Well, okay, what wrestling characters currently active would you consider racially insensitive? Uh, last week on NXT. <laughs> I do not pay attention to WWE. For good they, reason. They had a a skit between two of the women in a sushi restaurant where the points that they hit were um, Asian food is gross and all Japanese people are friends because they speak the same language. Goodly. Yeah. Alright, that's a that's a, that's a get off my phone moment. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I tried watching NXT, guys. I, I, I tried to keep up on that other stuff to see what was going on, but I can't. It's just... Why would you want to keep up with something like... like To see if it's as bad as everyone says? But like, No, not, not, not you specifically, but like... <laughs> why would one want to keep up with a show that in... 2021? That is the angle that sushi is gross? When sushi is one of the most popular foods in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Like... That's why their demographic is the 55+, plus, because it's the same people who watched when Hogan was there. Who okay, watched I'm just through gonna, the Attitude like, Era. Maybe, maybe I am biased because I live in a fairly metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. But... Like, within a mile of me, let's just go with two miles, I can find nine or ten different sushi restaurants. Yeah. Like, even in buttfuck nowhere, Wisconsin, which I have had to travel to for work, there are still sushi restaurants. Like, I had to drive... Four and a half hours out of Milwaukee to get to this place. Sushi restaurants in town, in a town that had no other restaurants apart from a Subway, a Taco Bell, and a meat restaurant. I call it a meat restaurant because there was nothing I could eat there. I didn't yeah. look. At least there's a Taco Bell. Yeah, no, that was good. There's also McDonald's. And... I mean, you can't get anything with McDonald's, can you? No. There is a Piggly Wiggly, though, and I got my food <laughs> from Piggly Wiggly. Oh, goodness. <laughs> the supermarket chain. Oh, yeah, like, I I'm in a small town in Canada, and we had three. One moved out th during the pandemic. But there's still two places that serve sushi. It's just, it, it's, it's absurd to make the point sushi weird in 2020. Mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. We're over halfway through 2021. Why do I still think it's 2020, Aaron? Because 2020 lasted 10 years. 2020 is still ongoing. I still have, <laughs> we are so very frighteningly near 2022 and I still haven't finished processing March of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of trauma around the world to go through over the past year. Like... 
<sighs> Not to mention, sorry to get real for a sec, <laughs> but like, we're gonna have a whole crop of thousands, if not millions, of people who, because of long COVID, are permanently disabled. We do not have the apparatus to handle that. Mm-hmm. Now, I do remember seeing reports when vaccines started rolling out this year mm -hmm. that it did help with alleviating symptoms and damage from long COVID. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's the vaccines. Getting vaccinated is the best way. Sorry to make this a COVID PSA. Getting vaccinated is the best way to A, prevent yourself from getting infected. B, mitigate the effects of infection. And C, prevent dying. Oh, I mean for people who had long COVID before they got the vaccine. Okay, so, so one of the things that I've seen just terrifying about the prospect of getting COVID and long COVID is that it straight up will eat away parts of your brain because your brain doesn't get enough oxygen. Mm -hmm. Ain't no coming back from that. Once that's gone, that's gone. Yeah. That's what's terrifying about COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they have put people, certain people with long COVID on Alzheimer's drugs. They will be on for the rest of their life. That's scary. Anyway. <laughs> the wrestles. Return to four. Let's talk about wrestling. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. no. Uh, we still haven't finished the elite match. Hangman gets hit by the title belt and gets yep. pinned by Kenny after a uh, one wing of Angel. Yeah, which he still hasn't kicked out of. But he's Be taken like three of them now. Yeah, he's he hasn't kicked out, but he did also get hit in the head with a title belt. Yep. And like under King's Road rules, he should be getting more immune to it by now. Right. He's div he much like Iocane powder has developed an immunity over time. Yes, Aaron? Oh god. Uh so, yes, that's how that one ended up. And we jump to this week, where Hangman's been avoiding the Dark Order again. Because mm -hmm. A, he feels guilty, B, he feels embarrassed. And C, he tells us right, like, he thinks he just has to do this on his own. I get back to his title shot. Yep. And have his match with Kenny. And you know what the Dark Order do? They respect his boundaries. As one does in any healthy relationship. Five isn't too happy with the circumstances of it. You no, know, and like, I... being explained to him. I understand why Five wanted to run <laughs> out there and help Hangman this week while he was getting jumped. Yeah. It's something that makes perfect sense because they still care about Hangman, but he said he wants to do this alone. He said he wants to do this for himself, by himself, and they have to respect that if they care about him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, 
they are just superseding what he wants with what they think he Yep. Which is not a healthy elite, relationship. What the elite did. Yeah. And yeah, so Paige was actually in the ring after that Dark Order segment where, oh yeah, he left a CD on the table in the Dark Order's lair. Do we know what's wait. on the CD yet? We have Not to wait yet. till Monday. Probably have to wait till Monday. Is it, it going to be, be is it going to be like Hangman's is it going to be like the 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 mixtape that Dean made for Castiel to say that he loves him? It it might be. I think it's more likely it's the movie they've been filming. <laughs> uh that would make sense, I guess. The porn? I mean, it has some porn. It has a sex scene, at least. So at one point, at the very least, Silver's poor little hole hurts. <laughs> Which, like... He needs, to, he needs a stunt person to step in for him. Yeah, um, hey, hey Johnny, if, you're, if you need someone to hook you up with poppers, let me know. Um, if you need a stunt double, we're about the same height and the same age. <laughs> and it's Hangman. Oh, like, God. I, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> Call me. Tweet at me at Cat Celestia. I've been told I'm a world class bottom, so. You actually have been told that. I was around to hear that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hit me up. I'm free every day except Fridays. And some Sundays. We'll make it work. <laughs> so as I was saying, Paige went to the ring after that mm -hmm. for an interview with Shivani and is immediately interrupted by the elite coming out. During their All whole big swinging dick routine. Yep. And so Paige in the ring takes the mic and he says, Matt, Nick, there's something I've been needing to tell you. But he doesn't get to say what. Cut off. Because Kenny immediately cuts him off because it wasn't about him for a minute. Now, keep in mind, going back to last year, when Hangman got drunk and lost his phone, mm -hmm. Matt and Nick were trying to apologize to him, and they thought he just ignored them. Yep. But and he lost his they... phone because he was drunk, and Matt Hardy stole it! And we now, just did... haven't paid that off yet! See, I thought they had a segment on BT where it was told to Matt Jackson by Matt Hardy. Yes. But then it just didn't go anywhere from there. Yeah, no, I think he didn't believe it. He didn't believe it or he didn't tell anyone. But, like, I just... I would like for there to be consequences for Matt Hardy. Yes. Consequences will never be the same. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> that's a reference. 
that I haven't thought about in a little bit, except I have. Surprise! Turns out that the person featured in that video, not the dad, is non-binary and now goes by Damien and still posts on vid YouTube and stuff like that. And you know what? Good for them. That's awesome. All of the cringe people that you used to laugh at back in your piece of shit days when you used to get drunk on cheap alcohol and Jaeger. Jaeger and then I... go to a restaurant with your buddies and order medium rare steaks and just dump a glass of water on them and make sloppy steaks back then when you made fun of those people turns out all of us were trans and just trying to cope we, we got wings i would drink jaeger and we got wings you didn't do sloppy steaks Aaron? no i did like super spicy wings oh, you missed out on sloppy steaks my butt hurt <laughs> fair like I said, you missed out on sloppy steaks. I don't think I missed out on sloppy steaks. It's a very, very interesting... Okay, so I, I will clarify that it is a... I'm referencing a sketch from mm -hmm. the show I Think You Should Leave on Netflix, which is a sketch comedy show that's incredibly brilliant. Like... Are you familiar with the the image of the guy in a hot dog costume saying, we're all trying to find out who did this? Yes. That is from that show. Okay. <laughs> it is a brilliant bit of sketch comedy. Uh, yeah, I thought you told me that was one of your stories. You didn't mention the sketch part. No. Never done sloppy steaks. I was doing I actually did. I actually did like super suicide wings. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You want to feel something. And it hurt. Yeah. If you can't feel anything normally, you like pain upon yourself to make yourself feel something. Mm-hmm. Okay, going back to finish off this Adam Page thing real quick. Right, we're not going to talk about the reasons why people self-harm. If you do think about self-harm, feel free to reach out to me. I'll talk to you. It's entirely okay. Even if you do relapse, don't feel guilty. Just make sure you take care of yourself. Back to Adam Page. Yeah. So yeah, so the elite jump Adam Page because... He gets tired of what one of them's saying and takes a swing again. That's just who he is. And the Dark Order runs out. But Stu and Uno stop them in the entranceway. And because they have that's to what Hangman them. wanted. Yep, Hangman thinks he's got to do this on his own. And they're going to give him space. They're going to let... It, and, like, the thing about it is you would think that and this might be how this angle plays out the young bucks and kenny omega would have in all likelihood done the very same thing but for very different reasons like oh you say you don't want help fine we'll show up but we won't help you That'll yep. prove how dumb you are for not asking for our help. 
And I yep. think the angle is going to be that Hangman assumes the Dark Order are doing the same thing. And they have to show to him. But no, we came out, but we did not help because you told us you wanted to do this alone. Yeah. And even if we don't think it's the right thing, we support you and your desires and wishes, and we want to see you succeed in the way that you want to succeed. Yep. We'll get into the very, very hard part of this of this storyline. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, we talked about how Hangman had to fail, right? Like, mm -hmm. as this story builds, it only ends in triumph if he has setbacks along the way, and this is his setback. And Kenny yep. absolutely retains at um all out and i think come full gear time that's when we see hangman emergent like a phoenix taking down kenny on the start of kenny's very self-destructive spiral until borders are open again and kota ibushi can come and rescue him another phoenix another phoenix yep there are many mythical creatures in Kenny Omega's life. <laughs> Arizona, for example. <laughs> yep. That's where we are with the ongoing soap opera that is the Dark Order and Hangman Page and the Elite. It's genuinely really good storytelling. Like, mm-hmm. There are very few things that could make it better. I've been thinking a lot recently about storytelling. Yeah. And what they're doing with this story is incredibly well constructed. Like, the thing about wrestling is that you, know, you, you take everything as being true. Yes. Because otherwise everything is preposterous. Yeah, you really can't Sherlock wrestling. And it there's very few things that do emergent storytelling as well as wrestling because it is a week to week live thing it's adaptable mm -hmm. but at the same time you also contend with long-term book and like this storyline has balanced that so so well because only person who feels like a threat to kenny is hangman and each of these like sub stories in this arc of hangman and this arc the, the counter parabolas of Kenny and Hangman. Mm hmm. Right? This sign and sign to the negative one. <laughs> Kenny is doing this and Hangman is doing this. And eventually they'll cross and reverse, you know? Yeah. For the podcast listeners, I made my arm into like an approximation of a sign curve. But really just did the gay hand. 
It's okay. It's the same thing. Is he? I mean, I don't think anyone in the Dark Order is that picky, so. No. No, but like, um, okay, so, um, where was I with my train of thought here? Uh, short term, long term booking, short term, week to week, episodic storytelling. Right, Science right, first. right. Like, there comes a point in this story where it can't keep going on this specific angle, right? Mm hmm Eventually, Hangman has to win. Yeah. And I can't wait for that. I'm excited to see how long they can make it stay good, but I am so very excited <laughs> to watch Kenny Omega crumble into dust. Yeah. I, I, I'm loving the story. I've loved it the whole way through. I, I'm ready to see the the ending, though. <laughs> I could keep going for another pay-per-view. I, I can definitely make it to full gear. If, if that's needed, I would still prefer and all like, out. The story doesn't have to end. That's the thing. This is not the end of this story between Kenny and Hangman, Hangman and the Elite. No. Any in the elite, for that matter. But it's the end of this segment. Right. This, there needs to be this season finale. Mm-hmm. And Full Gear being a season finale makes a lot of sense, because the very next pay-per-view... Is Revolution? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, no, no, Revolution makes more sense as a season I can't wait that long. No, I don't think it would be that long. <laughs> I can't, I I can't think, make it to February. I think... I, I think it'll be good no matter when they do it. When they choose to move to the next phase of this story. Because I think ultimately the way that this story needs to go in order to be a well-executed story is for Kenny to lose everything. And in that moment, Hangman reaches out and says, Hey, I've been there. You want help? I'm here. Very much the reversal of Full Gear last year? No. Whenever they lost the tag title? Revolution? I don't remember. Whenever it was where Paige went to lean on Kenny for support. And Kenny and just was, moved. Yeah. It's, it's got to be the reverse of that. It's. And like. I don't think. I don't think a good story would have Kenny accept that help. No. The first time or the second time or even for a while. Also, because I do, I do want to stress that, like through all of this, Kenny's working while pretty banged up and working really hard and the break, and deserves oh, yeah. a break. He's working like three or four different promotions at this point. The point being, I don't think Kenny looks at offer for help as anything but passive aggressive. 
It's like mm -hmm. this very weird emotion to what the elite have been doing. That everything anyone does for them is for like a grift or like an angle or like trying to get something from them. Yeah. And Definitely. that's just not what Hangman's about. Hi Cobram. It's fascinating to see how Hangman navigates such a interesting straight and by straight I don't mean I mean like the body of water. Uh, mm -hmm. The character of Kenny Omega is anything but straight. Yes. It's interesting to see how these characters navigate these very narrow waterways of telling a convincing story and retaining elements of humanity. And part of that is this the way that the elite all at this point seem to be the exception of the young bucks being brothers but like the young bucks as a collective unit everyone's kind of in it for themselves everyone yep. has selfish motivations everyone given the opportunity if it would help them, I think each and every one of them would fuck each other over. Oh, yeah. Like, very early on, uh, Don Callis, I remember being on commentary and saying about the Good Brothers, like, they are completely there for the money. They are being paid for this position. Huh? It was kind of a little one-off comment they threw out. And, like, you know, good for them, I suppose. It's just a little hint of where they're going to go. And, like, if given the opportunity, do you think the Good Brothers would challenge for the AEW tag titles? Maybe. I think so. I mean, so next Wednesday, there is a match for the Impact World Tag Team titles mm -hmm. of the Good Brothers taking on the Dark Order. Oh. So it's very possible that the Dark Order could win and become Impact Champions. And, you know, maybe then Gallus and Anderson go looking for something more out of this arrangement. Right. Instead of just being there for the money, they need some support. And they find out that the elite doesn't support anyone but the elite. And they but are the not individuals. The elite. <laughs> On the side, I did just break one of my fingernails. I feel like shit about it. Oh no. Oh well. It's just gonna be this dubby mess for a while. Yep. It heals. It grows back, but my good scratching nail. Oh. Well, it, it's your good fingernail now. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Aaron. Aaron, think about what you just said. <laughs> sit in, sit here in your shame. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> while he's gone, I am going to go over a different match that 
happened during Dynamite this week. I'm completely innocent. I don't know what you're all talking about. Where we had the bunny taking on Layla Hirsch for the number one contendership of the NWA women's title. Speaking of crossover matches. <laughs> so originally it was Serena Deeb was going to be the number one contender, but had an injury, I believe. So she won't be able to at the Empower show for NWA. So NWA gave AEW the chance, like, okay, have a number one contender have a number one contendership match for our belt on your show with your people. So we get the bunny and Layla Hirsch. Bunny's got HFO out there. Layla's got the best friends out there, which is pretty cool that they're keeping that going even through everything else, you know. HFO versus the best friends. And they honestly had such I'm gonna say clean. That's not to say like there wasn't any shenanigans because this is the bunny. But it was a clean match in that there was like no interference. You got those two factions on the other side and Nyla. And they were just allowed to have their match. And Camille. The NWA champion Camille was on was in ringside too. So they have this great match. I loved watching it. I thought it was very cool. They did some stuff on the outside with Allie getting the overhand, throwing her into the guardrails and everything. Talk talking inside eyeing Camille a bit. They get back in the ring and Layla Hirsch is just a machine. Taking her part at every chance she gets. And she has to go through for three uh, Jujak Tommies. Cross arm breaker. <laughs> I'm just going to say cross arm breaker. She went for that three times before getting in the middle of the ring and Ali tapped. So the NWA women's match for Empower is Layla Hirsch of AEW. Taking on Camille, the new NWA champion. And that's cool. That's one of those things where I'm glad the partnership has been working so well for the women's division and expanding beyond where it originally was, where it was just kind of Thunder Rosa, then just kind of Serena Deeb, where they would come in to where they're hosting matches leading into NWA storylines as opposed to working with Impact, which has been entirely around Kenny and the Good Brother. And that's a little bit frustrating, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because I want to see more out of that. I really did. I know Sammy was supposed to go over there for a while, and whatever happened, happened. I know um, Private Party was over there for a while. They had a title match. They had some good matches there. But it hasn't gone beyond that, really. So, yeah. So that's how you make tea out of cactus. Welcome back. Welcome prickly pears. Yeah. Getting good brothers versus Darker. Exactly. Like like I said, it's it's Kenny and the Good Brothers is the focus of the impact storyline. As opposed to 
NWA setting up a number one contendership match on an AEW show where an AEW person goes over to an NWA show for their shot. I was talking about uh, the Bunny versus Layla Hirsch and how cool that match was that they were allowed to just have their match. Yeah. And there wasn't bullshit going on, despite everyone around. There's a lot of bullshit going on in wrestling. But like it in storyline, at least in AEW, yeah. there's a lot of bullshit going around. I, I'm okay usually with storyline bullshit, but I'm really glad when it doesn't happen. All right, so we got about 45 minutes left before we go to Irish pub land. Yay! We're doing Polycule Celtic Fire Night in the Polycule server. <laughs> I've got a whole ambient setup ready to go for it. So, let's talk about some other storylines that are ongoing. Such as? Well, the Five Labors of Jericho. Yes. Because... They had one of your favorites on last week. Dick fucking Gage. MDK all fucking day, baby. <laughs> okay, so Kat, you're the deathmatch person between the two of us. Yes, yes I am. Was what Nick Gage and Jericho did a good representation of no. the match scene? Okay. It was, was it... a good representation of what televised death matches can be. That was my next question. It was to the, I would say it was to the extreme end of what a televised death match might be. But they still had a spot with Sugar Glass. Yes. The actual, true, real, actual, fun, bloody, disgusting version of deathmatch wrestling, way worse. Oh, oh, I know. I do. But and like therefore as... much better. <laughs> but as an AEW dominant viewer say, turning in to see this, could it be enough to inspire interest to check out more? I am going to say knowing uh, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm going to say, knowing the way that Deathmatch works and just how kind of grungy it is, people who are used to AEW's fairly polished product might not enjoy it if they gave it a shot. I think people will have some people will have come over. Some of us blood perverts might have come over. But, like... I, I I had a thread about this on Twitter. Because I know, um, what's his fuck? Eric Bischoff mm -hmm. talked about how he didn't think the match with Nick Gage was a good idea. Tony Khan has clearly thought that having Nick Gage on television has been a good idea since last year. The only reason we got Eddie Kingston and not Nick Gage is because Nick Gage was injured. Yeah. Which is a blessing because we got Eddie Kingston. And I have... Well, I'm just trying to remember. Nick Wasn't Gage was supposed to challenge for the AEW... For the TNT title against Cody. Okay. And they got I, Eddie Kingston instead. I thought Nick Gage was supposed to be in the Casino Battle Royal where we got Matt Seidel. I thought it was... I thought it was Eddie Kingston. I thought Cody was going to have a death match with uh, Matt Tremont. And that one didn't happen. 
I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Either way. Either way. It's complicated. I'm glad we got everyone we got. Eric Bischoff did make a very good point. Televised death matches are probably in the long run not a good thing to have in the industry. Yeah. So like the the notion that that comes to question is the advertisability of death matches. Because like it or not, wrestling is still a business. Wrestling is still operating in a space where cable television slots are at a premium. Yep. Especially primetime slots. And that premium, in part, gets paid for by ratings. Ratings are driven by... Ratings drive advertisers to the product. Even with the best ratings on a deathmatch, you see what happens with Domino's being pissed off about the pizza cutter spot into the Domino's pizza ad, <laughs> which was hilarious. But also, I understand why Domino's better. was upset. I should probably order some Domino's and put MDK on my notes. <laughs> I'm drinking PBR because PBR is now an official AEW sponsor. <laughs> yep. They had to make a commercial and everything. Um, so, my point being, the goal of televised wrestling and the goal of booking televised wrestling and us as wrestling fans should be the, the very simple statement I want wrestling to continue to be on primetime television. Mm-hmm. Because I want people to have a chance to see, understand, and love wrestling the way I do. The way the wrestlers do. I want the wrestlers to be able to make money. All yep. of that. Death matches don't do that. If you look at the crowd reaction to that death match, I'd say about 40% of them were disgusted. Yep. 40% may even be a little low. I loved it. I thought it was fucking great. I'm a pervert. I'm not the average white American family in the key demographic watching this fucking show. I'm a, a weirdo who likes to see blood and doesn't fall into any specifically useful categories for advertisers. Advertisers aren't trying to corner the perverted... I almost said a slur. Um... <laughs> it's your own slur. Yes. Advertisers are not trying to corner the perverted tea slur market. They are they trying should. to... I mean, it's just not a lucrative market. We're all really not that well off. Basically, my point being, deathmatches are not conducive to a successful cable television show. It will turn off advertisers because it is real blood. Yeah. And there's no way around the fact that advertisers are perfectly fine with throwing their products onto roofs in a show about a guy who cooks meth. 
but are not fine with a pizza cutter cutting open Christopher Irvine's forehead. End of the day, the success and the longevity of all kinds of wrestling depends on the popularity of televised wrestling. Yes. The success and longevity of deathmatch wrestling depends on the success of televised wrestling. Too many deathmatches will kill wrestling, and it will kill deathmatches as a result. Deathmatches should be on TV maybe once a year, if that. Leave them for IWTV, leave them for Fight TV on the GCW yearly pass or whatever you choose as your option for watching your deathmatches. Speaking of which, you should watch ICW No Holds Barred and H2O, both Jersey-based promotions, both great deathmatch promotions. Mm-hmm. It just don't belong on TV. Because the system can't sustain itself if it's not advertiser-friendly. And that's just the reality of the world we live in. Now, I did come across a tweet from a different podcast this week where they were talking about Deathmatch wrestling as abstract art. Deathmatch is art. Like, there's no question about that. But like in the way that like you have the wrestler and you have all the weapons, but usually a lot of times like there'll be specific weapons used at certain spots and it becomes more an extension of the wrestler and the story going on and everything else than just being a prop. No, absolutely. I just like, it real quick in the chat for Jobber's Tears podcast. Just so people know who I'm stealing this from. <laughs> wrestlers. De- Deathmatch wrestling is such a unique thing to have in the landscape of wrestling. And ultimately, I want to see it continue to succeed. It is. I don't want to say it's a necessity, but it is an important part of the art of wrestling. That you have this thing that is there that challenges your definition of wrestling, that challenges your definition of art, that like really truly builds on the ideas that are presented in ring in the squared circle on any given day. It takes that to their most extreme in the same way that it. In effect, it is the opposite of the Dadaist style of ready-mades, right? Like, a ready-made strips art down to what is the barest minimum to call something art. Um, I don't know how... Sorry, I'm gonna get, like, really heavy (laughs) into my bullshit here. I apologize. Okay, we got time. (laughs) Aaron, are you familiar with the artwork In Advance of a Broken Arm by Marcel Duchamp? No. Okay, so Marcel Duchamp, in an effort to challenge what the meaning of art is, goes to a hardware store, buys a snow shovel, hangs it on a hook on a wall, and puts a little plaque next to it, explaining that it is a piece called In Advance of a Broken Arm. The whole work of art is a shovel purchased from a hardware store 
in essence, it strips away all of the pretension, all of the ideas that people studying aesthetics, the philosophy of aesthetics, it strips away all of those Dennis Dutton bullshit things about virtuosity and about intention and about this and that and says, are you sure that your definition of art is sufficient? Is this still art to you? Because it's art to me. Is this urinal that I've turned on its side and written Arma 1918, is that still art? Deathmatch wrestling is the inverse of that. It takes these levels of art and extends the idea of virtuosity in violence to a true, like, almost gladiatorial display of pure, unadulterated aggression and, like, bodily harm. And it says, is this thing that you hold up as art still art if we take it to its logical conclusion? Is this thing that you are looking at as an expression of creativity, as an expression of storytelling, if we pull at all of those strands and we stretch them to the tightest they can go, is it still art to you, asshole? Or are we just hurting each other for your amusement? Because at a certain point, that's what they're doing. And you have to accept that people are injuring themselves for our amusement. And you have to say to yourself, are they injuring themselves because it makes us happy to see people injure themselves? Because we enjoy this violent display? Because at the end of the day, humans are still a very violent species? Or are you looking at the virtuosity, the intention of this art to put something into play, to produce the sublime? And I'm starting to sound like Slavoj Zizek, without the stupid <laughs> accent. Produce the sublime under the capitalism. Um, anyway, no Zizek accent. The idea is so brilliantly ultra-constructive instead of deconstructive. It is hyper-constructive of this genuinely intriguing notion of what makes wrestling captivating in the same way that the sublime elements of art make art captivating what makes these things captivating to us in a gestalt sort of sense that we can't capture in pure dictation that we can't capture in a dictation of events the gestalt of the story of hangman adam page exists because of the individual elements of wrestling and of acting and of improv and of all these other bits of theatrical expression of art balled into this one beautiful storyline about a man who doesn't believe in himself because he's been told by all of the people he cares about that he's not worth anything. It's this just genuine 
fascinating expression and to take that and say i agree with you but what if we turn this dial up to 11 do you still agree with me that's what deathmatch wrestling is that's why deathmatch wrestling is such a challenging form of art in a way like i said that is the inverse of the ready-mades and it's just incredible to me that we get to witness on as grand a stage as we do these really challenging elements ultimately those challenging elements do not draw people to an art gallery dadaists don't draw people to art galleries unless they're hipster assholes like me deathmatch doesn't draw people to television The extreme ends of our spectrum of art genuinely are meant to challenge the notion of the art itself and not to draw in the crowds. And that's what the important thing about making sure that you sparingly televise your death matches is. <sighs> Any questions? Would you like to take a drink now? I'm good. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are still here at, through that entirely insane rant. Okay, we got more viewers during your rant, actually. Did we? I've been watching, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Okay. Uh, thank you all for paying attention to that. Because there was... Um, would you like to know what happened to the original version of In Advance of a Broken Arm? Yes, now I would, actually. <laughs> uh, so it snowed, and a janitor used the snow shovel that was hanging on the wall to shovel the snow. The original version of the work is gone. <laughs> it is one of my favorite art stories. Oh my goodness. It's just not there anymore. And, like... That's that's the beauty of these ready-mades, is that they're ephemeral bits of art. Erin, if I could talk about aesthetics as a subject matter for an entire two hours, I would. Can you make it about wrestling? I just did. I mean, we could do that on the next episode. I, I don't I think I've burned myself out on that. I will I... give you a live mic for whatever you want to talk about. That was how long did that rant last? I'm not entirely sure. When did you post I wasn't this? checking the time. <laughs> when did you post this link? Either way. Wait, 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 wait. All right. I think I'm going to let you talk for a little bit because I'm a <laughs> little parched. Oh, so now I have to follow that up. Okay. Would you like to talk about... I know what I'm going to talk about, don't worry. Okay. So yeah, that was about the third, or the second, uh, Trial of Jericho. The third was Juventud Guerrera in a match where Chris Jericho has to hit a move from the top rope in order to win. Now, this goes back immediately to an in-ring promo MGF and Jericho did in 2019 
back when they were kind of chumming up for the first time. And Jericho told him so long the lines the way like you realize you were conceived while your mother's watching me versus Juventud Guerrera. Look it up. And then Jeff returned with who? So back in the 90s, there was a very important match in WCW, which was Chris Jericho, then known as the Lionheart, taking on Juventud Guerrera in a Day of Puestas match. It was title, the WCW Cruiserweight title, held by Jericho versus Mask, which was Hoobie's mask. And it ended up Jericho won that match, kept the title, and was able to remove Hoobie's mask. And it started a whole chain reaction to the company of him doing that with a lot of different luchadors. Like, I know Rey Mysterio, I believe Psychosis, and I believe Silver King. Silver King was very washy when he wore his mask anyway. <laughs> and all, most of them actually kept them when they go, go ba went back to Mexico. Because it didn't really count because it was on U.S. soil for U.S. promotion. So they keep it in Mexico. So this match is a big callback to, to that. Where Juventud still looks great, actually. Oh my god, yeah. The first couple of minutes of him finding his feet was a little iffy, but you know what? He's still Hoovy. He's still the juice. <laughs> it's... I, I would... If he's willing, I think it would be a great time for him to come back. Honestly, he still wrestles in Mexico. He's still active. I know he's got, like, a lot of weird stuff going on with his family, though, because, like, Lucha families are an entire yep. soap opera into themselves. Unto themselves. Yep. Yeah. It's very much a family business kind of deal in Mexico. Uh, it's, like, I mean, just look at the Guerreros. They're all still going, too. <laughs> so during this match, they did just a lot of their really good stuff. Jericho's a bit slower, so it wasn't quite as good as the, the match they had before. But they kind of amped it up when Jericho went to pull off Hoobie's mask. Because, you know, it's not a DQ in AEW. But also because he's technically already won it once, so... It's his mask. Yeah, it's kind of Jericho's mask. He can do that. This is the one time where AEW has done a mask spot where I didn't think it was uncalled for. Yes. That is a mask that Chris Jericho earned the right to remove. Yeah. And they all had a very interesting spot because the stipulation was Jericho has to do a move from the top rope. But he ended up reversing a top rope Hurricane Rana into a lion tamer. And I'm still wondering, like, would that have counted? Like, it was technically from the top rope. In the end, it was a top rope juice effect that ended up getting it done. Which is a really cool evolution of the Judas effect. Yeah. Like, it, it's a move I... that didn't need to evolve yet, but it kind of did. I want to say that, like, one of the things that, and I really hope MJF loses, 
But yeah. I also hope MJF wins. Like, this idea that MJF building a strong Jericho. These trials yeah. are make they're designed to beat him down. And like he is physically injured still. Like there's still lingering injuries from that death yeah. match. He he had band-aids all over him. But he is also he has weathered these things and like a Saiyan come out the other side stronger. <laughs> yep. And it's only so it's it's only so long before Chris Jericho becomes a legendary Super Saiyan. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho Broly? Possibly. So Yeah, after the top rope juice fight, we find out the ne- the next match she's gonna have is against Wardlow. We all saw that one coming eventually. Right. But he's gonna have MJF in his corner for it. I don't believe he's gonna have MJF in his corner. I think it sounded like it implied MJF was going to be the referee. It was really confusing because MJF said that he's gonna be there with Wardlow, and then I think JR said he was gonna be the ref. So call that MJ ref. Call it MJ ref, yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting to have MJF as the ref to see how they work through that. And then we know that MJF is going to be the final trial as well, so. Right. MJF will be the finale of this buildup. Yeah, they already said that in the first week, so. Which, I would think that the way that you would do it is have five trials before he can face MJF. This is four trials before he faces MJF. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but... And it, what, it worked. Okay. Here's how I think it should... If I had my druthers, here's how I would book this. Trial number four can still be Wardlow. One, two, and three, fine. Great. Trial four, still Wardlow. Great. Fine. MJ Ref. Good shit. Trial number five. The scariest trial that anyone in AEW can face. Taru Yano. <laughs> I can't believe I got her to quit. I got her to quit live on air. And it wasn't my nearly 20 minute rant about art. I've quit two jobs today. <laughs> I quit this, and I quit Chicks with Dice. Just because we decided to make Uplex XDL3 canon? Yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> okay, what's, what's, your, what's your canon OTP for Plex, or have we not introduced your, your pairing? You have to wait for season four when an angel shows up and groups you tight to raise you from perdition. Uh, no, if we're going to go by what's already happened, it's probably going to be uh, Plex, um, Kip, Orange, and Jack. Kippin. Also, um, we Kippen, have right. some... Yeah, no, you're, you know what? 
That works for me. I mean, they've all had a scene together where it went to black. Yeah, it but was it wasn't romantic. <laughs> um, okay, not to talk about our other podcasts on this podcast, but... I mean, it's our podcast. We can do it if we want. I think that the end game is Lex X Shoal platonic friendship relationship. I mean, they're at a point of actually respecting each other. So end game is friendship. Yep. <laughs> friendship brought to brought about by droids rights. I don't. Sholevat does not strike me as the kind of person who is a firm believer in droids' rights. Yeah. Neither does Plex. Plex likes droids because they do exactly what they're supposed to. Yes, but I do not believe Plex is a droid rights activist. Probably not, no. Aaron is. Yes, Aaron is. SD is. Yep. Anyway. Um, okay. One more thing that I want to talk about in the 15 minutes we have remaining before the end of this episode, according to our schedule. I want to talk about Team Taz. <laughs> that clusterfuck. Team Taz and the machine, Brian Cage. Mm-hmm. So last week they had a little little celebration of Taz where Taz had his little podium and was doing his <laughs> little like, angry short man Taz dance. It was the best. <laughs> oh, give Taz a podium every week. You're it just up there like, ah, I'm Taz. <laughs> I look like I'm a person of color, but actually I'm just Italian. The most startling thing ever to find out was that Taz is white. It caught a lot of people by surprise, actually. Is that what you want to say about Taz? No, so Brian Cage versus Team Taz is, I think, probably where this storyline has needed to go for over a year. Yes. I'm excited to see Brian Cage versus the rest of Team Taz. I'm excited to get to see more Ricky Starks now that he's back. Um... Um, I still love Will Hobbs. Oh yeah, Hook looks Hook like a little there. punk. He looks like a punk. <laughs> I tell him to get off my lawn. <laughs> there is one other thing I'd like to talk about. Is are we circle, kind of... are we are we bookending the show with Tommy End? Our... We're Tommy bookending. We have to. We have to. We're Tommy bookending. I'm just I'm doing the ASL sign for more for some reason. <laughs> so yeah, I we've learned, seen where the sorry, just ASL moment. I learned that clusterfuck, clusterfuck. Yep. That's my new. That's the new sign that I learned. Welcome to sign language class with Cat. <laughs> it's right after art history. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was not art history. It is aesthetics. It is a branch of philosophy, not of art. Okay. As I was saying, last few weeks we've had run-ins between Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes. Cody where Rhodes. Every time Cody picks up a microphone, it seems, he gets kicked in the face. 
And I'm kind of happy about it. Because he wants to go on these long, pompous promos. He does these, and like, he... Homelander promos where he's like, America is great. I love America. Also, I'm a little bit of a fascist. Not that and Cody is. The face. Yeah, Cody's a little bit of a fascist. Cody donated to Trump. So it came to a head on this mm -hmm. week's Dynamite. Where we finally got to see Alistair Black in an AEW ring. Uh, who? For a oh, yeah. Malachi Black. Oh! Yeah, that guy. And, oh my god, his entrance. Very similar <laughs> to the music that we played at the start of the episode. A little bit? Um, oh no, I'm doing Amelia Clark eyebrows. Yeah, it's like ragged cloth coverings and a skull mask with antlers and the, the lit up entryway with him just being a shadow coming out of it and it's just like mm -hmm. oh it was this, a very this is cool everything entrance. i love <laughs> uh the song by the way that he used was a portion of uh Augen Trust by amon ra <laughs> huh? They're a black metal band, not Nazi. Very important. To that point is a out. very important thing to specify when you're talking about black metal bands. And I hate that I have to. Just want to listen to them. I don't. Ugh, I don't. I don't want to have to vet everything I listen to, but I do. Anyway, so we had that, and he's got his whole like kickboxer apparel kind of thing going on. And Cody comes out, he's, he's got his white and gold trunks on. And Black squashes him. Ugh, oh, this match. Cody I just gets his shit caved all the way in. At one point, Cody goes for a crossroads and gets kneed in the face. <laughs> Like, he's got him in the crossroads position. So, <laughs> so Black is upside down. Mm -hmm. And he just goes, up, And he knees him in the face. Cody tries to go to the top rope. And he gets kicked off and goes through the timekeeper's table. Mm -hmm. A little bit weird of a jump he did, where it was kind of obvious. But cool finish. I loved it. And then the actual finish to the match... Oh, God. Cody takes a black mass that hits him so hard. He's laid out in the ring completely unconscious. And Malachi Black gets the pin by just standing on him. Yeah, one foot on the chest. Like, like you the see a lot of heels. It's the Captain too. Morgan pin. Mm hmm. And Cody got kicked so fucking hard. That he started a retirement speech. Yeah, you know, he went into this whole thing about how great starting AEW was, you know, all the trials and everything they've had, they've been totally worth it, and he's loved doing it. And then he starts taking off his boots. Which is a classic sign of a wrestler retiring. You leave your boots in the ring to say, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. He gets through one boot. And... Malachi Black comes back out and beats him with a crutch. 
because like I said, every time Cody picks up a microphone, he's right there to kick his ass. I love this angle so much. Oh my god. And just thinking about this for the past few days, it's like, this is the story I want with Cody Rhodes. Like, okay. I actually really like Cody Rhodes the wrestler. Yes. He's insanely talented in the ring. He's amazing on the mic. He has a heritage that get that connects him to like everyone. Mm-hmm. But the last little bit has been so it's felt rushed with him. Things have felt very personally, I think QT Marshall, that whole like that storyline is just kind of trash. Honestly, I don't see what purpose Cody had in it. Cody did not need to be in that. No, that should have been QT and Dustin. Mm-hmm. That would have been an amazing ongoing feud right there to watch those two. And because Dustin's a trainer now. Mm-hmm. He works in the Nightmare Factory training people. So you have that actual younger guys being trained by the veterans and they, the veterans just hate each other pushing these kids to, to fight. Like, it's a good story that you can have then end up with the kids. <laughs> I'm turning into Savage Zizek still. The more I'm <laughs> drunk and talking about wrestling. Don't ban us, Twitch. I'm not actually drunk. I've only had two beers. <laughs> the way that you resolve a storyline like that is you have the kids, the trainees, get together and be like, this is horseshit, right? Let's beat yeah. up these old men. And then the kids get this massive amount of shine of saying, like, yeah, fuck your feud. We're done with this old man versus... Sorry, I hit the mic. Fuck your feud. We're done with this old man versus old man bullshit. We're mm-hmm. here for ourselves. We're going to be great wrestlers, whether you want us to be or not, whether you like us or not. We're here and we're saying that we are good at what we do. Get out of here. Yep. And then you have a feud that puts over the new talent. Surprise. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And going back to Cody, like, so Cody was really pivotal at the start of AEW and during the first half of the pandemic. Yes, without a doubt, like, the company would not be where it is without Cody carrying the weight of, frankly, the company on his shoulders with his really incredible feuds. Yeah, you know, that first year where the Bucks and Kenny, their storyline was they can't get their feet under them in this new environment that they're in. Whereas Cody, being a veteran from WWE, was able to adapt and work so much better in it. So he had that big feud with MJF. Oh, that, that that thing with MJF? Yeah. That was... Also, and don't forget, ha- Cody still can't challenge for the AEW World Championship. Because of MJF. The fallout of that. And 
and Chris Jericho and the TNT title, like, I wasn't sure going into it with him holding it, but the whole run he had with that where he just put people over by having them come into the show and show off what they can do. Like, and then to go into the feud with Q, with QT in the factory and with specifically with Anthony Ago, and it just felt, it felt rushed. It felt rushed and it felt undeserved. Cody has taken on this sort of essence of because of what he had to do, right? He, in essence, it, it very much feels like Cody is the corporation. Yeah. He's the one who has the celebrity matches. He's the one who does the TV shows. Is inseparable from the corporation of all elite wrestling. Mm -hmm. And as a result, it has made him kind of into a little bit of like a blowhard, right? Like his whole deal is that he is a. Right, like Kenny Omega is Kenny by God Omega. Mm hmm. The, God the Young of Bucks are the Young Bucks. The greatest tag team in the world. Cody Rhodes is AEW. And Cody Rhodes is, because he is AEW, a company that makes millions, financed by a billionaire. He is the son of a son of a plumber. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have that started from the bottom now we hear kind of energy. He has started from like the mid card and now we're here. <coughs> he takes on this persona because of the way that he had to function of being both a favorite and disliked. Mm -hmm. He because of the way that he has to do these corporate things he feels like he is the company mouthpiece more so than the individual. He feels like he is pandering to the crowds. Yep. In part because he is. But also in part because like crowd expectations with AEW were set because of the work that Cody Without Cody, this company doesn't continue this past the first year. But as a result, Cody has had to sacrifice a lot of what made him an interesting wrestler to float this company for an entire year while the organic talent developed, while people found their footing, while all of these things that were happening. Injuries. A major signing that was supposed to be the TNT champion for a while. 
getting sick, passing away. Incredibly unfortunate. It has been a really fascinating road that has led to Cody being hate-liked and like-hated. Mm-hmm. He's taking a lot of the blame uh, and, and a lot of the... Like, face heat? A, a lot of, like, where people can't really vent frustration about something with AEW, it kind of gets pointed towards him, it feels like. And it, on occasion, it is because the Anthony Ogogo story was a story of a legacy versus someone who built himself up, and you were supposed to root for the legacy. Yeah. You're supposed to root for the guy who was born on second base rather than the guy who had to get a hit to begin with. It's it was a very interesting I think maybe a little conceived story. But I still very much appreciate and love Cody Rhodes as a wrestler because he is a phenomenal wrestler he just needs to maybe be a little bit more selective with some of these storylines or just go full heel break up the bullet club again i think more than anything the way that cody's current story should go is that he needs to Embrace the dark side. Bring back the Cody that wrestled in that dog collar match. The Cody that whipped someone with a chain for 20 minutes. The Cody that looked like he was a vampire CEO. That Cody has to come back. Not Homelander Jr. Yeah. Not kind of startlingly and uncomfortably fascist Cody. But not to put it too bluntly, the comfortable kind of fascist that you know is evil rather than the one you're supposed to maybe kind of root for. And I think Malachi Black has to bring that out in him. Mm-hmm. Keeps, maybe he keeps torturing Cody and he keeps beating Cody in these elaborate matches and things like that until Cody has to give in to the dark side to co overcome him. And at that point, you get an evil laugh like the whole point of this wasn't to win. Or the whole point was to destroy the <laughs> precious hero Cody Rhodes yep. to make you something better. Very much a corruption angle. Yes, and as we all know, God. being a perv, I'm into corruption angles. I knew that's where this was going. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I think that's a good place to end. I think we're done for the night. I will throw in real quick one quick re recommendation. 
where I'm going to take you see Princess Kimberly versus Heidi Lovelace, now known as Ruby Soho. It's a very good match. Yeah, I watched it earlier this week. It's one of my favorites to recommend to people. It's a very good But anyway, thank you all for listening to what was probably one of our rantiest episodes. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. But like, okay, I want to maybe okay, take back the word rant. Because I think it was more of an impassioned speech than a rant. Because rant to me implies negative. Like you rant about something you're complaining about. Okay. That's and I don't fair. think we've complained about anything that we've talked passionately about. I think it's been just been an episode where we have been moved to talk speak on subjects that are important to us. Reminded me why I love wrestling. Okay, Kat, I haven't had dinner yet. Erin, go get some fucking food. Everyone else, thank you again for coming by. Be gay. Mwah. And you, rhymes. Bye. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. So anyway, Aaron, would you like to tell us a little bit about this music that we just heard before we get started? Okay, so that was Rusalka by the band Irdrath from Belarus. They are a folk metal band who is currently in a Belarusian jail for leading and supporting protests against the government in Lukashenko. So actually, this band kind of slaps and deserves all of the love and I deserves their freedom. Them. It's like, I... they're in jail for leading political protests in Belarus. Yeah. Which is no fucking joke. Yeah, no, they, okay, Cinder, they are actually genuinely in jail for being fucking great. Yeah.